Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. I'm going to start in Genesis uh, chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And, um, and then we're going to go over to 1 John 4 and just read one scripture there. Tonight, I'm, I'm probably not going to preach what we would consider to or teach a popular message. All of our children, ages 3 to 11, can be dismissed. Also, our quizzers, I believe, are having a quiz practice upstairs. So please, um, they know where to go. And then if you are a, a first-time guest here and you have a child between 3 and 11, you can send them out. Our team is waiting for them at the doors. They will get them where they need to be. Tonight, what I'm going to teach is not popular, but it is something we need to hear and um, I felt it, and uh, I felt like God wanted me to speak this tonight, and I'm praying that we can receive God's word. Genesis 25, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manners of people shall be separate from thy bowels, and one, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And verse 24 says, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, and behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red and uh, over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his, his brother out, and his hand, his hand took on Esau's hill, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bared them. We understand that there is two twins in this story. It's Esau and Jacob. And verse 27 says, the boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter. He was a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man. He dwelt in the tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of the vent, uh, Venice. And, but the Bible says that Rebekah loved Jacob. Esau was a, a father's boy and Jacob was a mama's boy. Uh, and today I want to kind of just go through that that story of these two boys. In 1 John 4, 16, it says this, and we have not known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And so tonight, I want to teach to you uh, a lesson that um, I've titled, Two Brothers, Two Problems. We got two brothers here, and we got two problems. I want to talk about that tonight. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and speak to us. I pray that before we would leave this place, God, that your word would go forth, and that you would challenge us, change us, change our heart, change our minds, God. I pray, God, that we would leave this place in the right spirit. We give you the praise, the glory, and all the honor. And would you just put your hands together one more time? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for coming out on our Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, I don't know about you, I just feel such a sweet presence in this room. It just feels good to be in the house. Amen. Amen. When you get into Genesis, Genesis is one of my uh, favorite books to read. I just always felt like even as a child, I'd go back to Genesis and read in Genesis. I loved reading through Genesis. We read a portion of the beginning of two lives. 
We have Jacob and we have Esau. They were twins. They were born quite different from each other. It was through their father, Isaac, that God promised that he would raise up a seed from Abraham. The prophecy was told, you read it, that the older would serve uh, the younger. Esau was the elder son. He was cunning hunter, a, a man of the field, a daddy's boy, a man's man, if you would. Esau was the oldest. He was the one who got the birthright. He, now, if you read in, in, in Genesis, you'll realize that the birthright was a privilege that was given to the oldest. It gave him preferred treatment in the family, and including the first claim of the inheritance. And the Bible tells us that one day Jacob was making some soup, and Esau came in, and, and he was hungry. He came in from the field, and he was hungry. And Esau asked Jacob, he said, can you feed me because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling weak? And now Esau appears to have been a man that was concerned with the fleshly and the physical things. He was not concerned about his future, but rather he was concerned with right now. Anybody know somebody that kind of has that mind frame? Right now. What can I get right now? It doesn't even matter if it destroys tomorrow. Can I get something right now? That was, that was Esau. He was only worried about now. What can please me now? He was not concerned about his future, but rather the present. Whatever he could get right now is what he wanted. But Jacob, however, was the opposite. He was a more appreciative about the future and, and he had more goals and what he wanted to do. And Jacob was willing to do whatever he could do to help his future out. You see, the devil wants us to sell our future for the present situation. Someone say amen. And I, this ain't what I'm teaching about, but can I say there's no job, no house, no raise, Worth giving up my calling, giving up my anointing, giving up my salvation. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how good it makes me feel right now. If it's going to hurt my future, I don't want it. If it's going to hurt my calling, I don't want it. Amen? And so the devil wants you to sell your future for the present right now. What feels good now? And so we understand that the first, bro the first brother had a problem. His problem was that he didn't care about the future. He only worried about the present. What can I get now? What can feed me right now? What can please me right now? But he didn't really care about the future. Jacob knew his brother better than anybody else. He knew Esau would sell his birthright for the present. And so Jacob decides to take advantage of his own brother. Jacob come up with a master plan. He told Esau, I, I know you're hungry. I, I know you're weak. And so I can fix all that right now. I got a little bit of food. I, I can help you right now. But in return for me to give you something that will help you right now, I want the birthright. He decided that he was going to take advantage of his own brother. We understand that Esau had a problem. But it is not the only problem that I want to talk about tonight. Because Jacob had a problem of his own. You see, 
as preachers, we like to talk about Esau's problem. We like to get up, Brother Tommy, and preach hard about the future and not giving up your future for right now. And it preaches good. And, and when I'm over in the students, I'm talking about it all the time. Don't sell your future out for right now. And God has a calling for you. Don't sell out your calling for something now. And I'll get over there and I'll tell them there's no boy and there's no girl and there's no relationship. And there, I'll go through all of them. I say, none of that is worth your calling. And we preach it and we believe it. And you as parents in this room teach your children that. And we love to talk about that. But that's not the problem I want to talk about because I believe we all understand that. We get that. But there's a problem that I want to talk about that Jacob had. Jacob was more concerned about himself rather than his own brother. Jacob decided to take his brother's blessing for himself. You see, that birthright was not Jacob's, but it was for Esau. Jacob took advantage of Esau because he was in a bad place. How many times in our lives have we become selfish and begin to think about what we need and what will better us right now, in this moment, in this time, and we forget and forget and we focus all about me, 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 me. What can I get? What do I need right now? That we totally forget about the needs of those that are around us. Our own brothers and sisters in here. We're hurting and we walk in hurt and we're only thinking about us. But I wonder how many times have you walked past someone that is hurting more than you, but you couldn't even see it because you're only looking at yourself. You're only worried about me. Hey, if I'm not talking to you, let me just talk to me, okay? (laughs) Let me make this message about me since taking advantage, Jacob was taking advantage of his own brother. Maybe it wasn't really intentional. Maybe it was, but we get so focused about me, myself, and I that we will walk into the house of God and walk past people that need something out of us, but We're not even sensitive to see it because we're so focused on what we're doing and what's going on in our lives and what we're facing. And we miss an opportunity to minister and to help the body of Christ because it's me, me. What can I get? My ministry. That's, man, how many times have I heard that? My ministry. We get so focused, you know, since I've been here at Truth Chapel and as the years goes, I get involved in different avenues. Pastor has me help out and I've been helping out Pastor Stewart um, sometimes with department head meetings. And it's amazing how we'll have meetings and you hear it a lot. Well, my ministry needs this. And man, I hope I don't get in trouble here, Sister Jacobs. My ministry, you know, we we need this and, and my my, 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 you know, me, me, this is, and, and, and I, I get a side of it. I'm not trying to help me. Brother Yusuf, you can just come up and pull my coattail, okay? You're my elder. I, I'm, I'm with you. I see you, okay? You just let me know, okay? But we get so focused on, you know, in the youth ministry, there is no more important ministry than the youth ministry. You know why? Because I got the mic right now. That is the most important ministry that has ever uh, been formed in this church is the youth ministry, my ministry. And if you have money here today and you want to donate to a ministry, donate to the youth ministry. We're trying to change your children's lives, right? My ministry, yeah. We get so focused in my, my, 
mine. But if we could switch the idea of my ministry to the church, to the body, and realize that I need you and you need me, but guess what? We all need each other. And I'm glad that you are taking authority over your ministry, but don't forget there's other ministries in this church. And what would be a church if we only focused on the youth but forget about the kids and forget about the adults and forget about the elders? But we got to work together, right? Got to work together. How many times have we become so selfish in walking around thinking about what we need and what is more important to us that we forget about the needs of those that are around us. We ignore the needs of our brothers and our sisters that are right beside us. Tonight, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm actually just, maybe I need this tonight because sometimes my own mind gets into that mind frame. Because you know, uh, Paul said, I gotta die daily. Sometimes I, I feel the same way. Sometimes I gotta get into a prayer closet and pray the demons out of me because I know I ain't thinking right. Yeah, the preacher that is up here today sometimes is not thinking right, and I got to get right. What about those that are around you, your brothers and your sisters in this house? Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves that we fail to help the needs of those that are around us. Sometimes I get so focused on my problems that I fail to see the hurt and the pain of those that are around us that are in this building right now. I often wonder how many times have we been so concentrated on what we needed, that we walked right past someone who had a greater need. But because we were so focused on what we needed, we missed what they needed. And when we could have been a helping hand to our brothers and our sisters, we just focused on us. Me, 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 me. Two brothers, we got two problems. One can't even see the future. He don't even care about the future. We like to preach about that. And we like to just dog Esau into the ground. But today, I want to talk about Jacob and his problem. Because Jacob had, to me, a worse problem than Esau. Jacob did not know how to treat his own brother, his own blood. He didn't know how to treat him. Esau was in a bad place. You know what Jacob was thinking? All about himself. The Bible says that Jacob convinced Esau to sell him his birthright. But we see this dramatic scene of Jacob gaining Esau's birthright would not be the last encounter that they would see each other. In chapter, Genesis chapter 27, Isaac become old, and we understand that his vision was gone, and he wanted to pass the torch to his eldest son. And so he called Esau over, and he told him, he said, Son, I know I'm at my deathbed, and it may be near. He said, I, I want to bless you today. He said, Esau, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the field, and I want you to bring back supper. And after we eat, I, as your father, want to bless you, my oldest son, my eldest. I want to bless you. Rebecca heard this, and she decided that she would call Jacob and tell him what was going to go on. And since Jacob was her favorite, and she, she, she instructed him to disguise himself. And, and so disguise himself as Esau. In other words, lie, go and disguise himself, his own family, okay? And take the dinner, the supper to his father and then get blessed. I can hear her saying, Jacob, that blessing should be yours. I can just, to me, sometimes I dive into the word of God and I go, how is the conversation? You know, how did it happen? We're getting bits and pieces, but really how did it happen? I can hear her point her side, listen, 
like convincing him, hey, now that really should be yours. You know, he don't even care about the future. You know your brother, he, you know, I can just see the negative tongue that was coming out at that moment. You can almost, it almost comes out of the word to you. You deserve this blessing. You, you deserve it. You're, your brother, he shouldn't just get this. And I, I can see all of it playing out. And I want to pause here and say, you better be careful who you allow yourself to listen to. Jacob allowed him to listen to and have a conversation with someone that he should have never listened to in a conversation that should have never happened. Let's talk about Jacob's problem now, okay? He allowed himself to listen to the negative tongue. He allowed it. You know what? I understand that was his mama, but he could have said, you know what? This ain't right. I'm not going to do this. This was his own family, his own brother. And with that conversation, Jacob was convinced. And he saw the benefit that he would receive by stealing the blessing from his brother yet again. And so there he goes. He steals the blessing. Isn't it amazing how powerful a negative tongue can be? I want to talk about that for a second. A negative tongue, just being negative can hurt people. Just saying one negative thing can destroy people's lives. One negative comment. I told our youth this. I said words are like bullets, and once they are released, they cannot be taken back. Some people don't realize it, but they are killing God's plan simply by the words that are coming out of their mouth. They're killing it. Rebecca's negative tongue would cause pain that would not be healed for decades. Do you hear me? The negative conversation, that one conversation and what happened would cause pain that would not be solved for decades. See, that's why Satan wants us to have that negative friend around, right? That's why somehow when we're down, somehow it's so easy to get into the negative spirit, right? Because the devil understands about it. You know, we talk about Job and how God, uh, 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 what's the Bible said? God lifted the, he had a hedge of protection around him, right? That's what the Bible says. But when, when God had a conversation with the devil and he said he would lift that hedge, the devil had kind of full reign a little bit and God was testing Job. And did you notice that the devil took everything but his wife? Now, hold on a second now. Y'all are about to look at me, about to kill me. I'm not, talking, uh, I'm not talking about the woman right now. I'm talking about a spirit that was in the woman. Y'all, 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 y'all don't, don't kill me yet. I saw that real quick, y'all. Oh, really? You, you want to go there? No, no. You all hear me now. The spirit that was in the woman was wrong. And the devil knew the spirit wasn't right. And the devil knew that that woman would say, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Yeah, because the devil knows the power, of, the power of a negative tongue, gossiping and talking about people. The devil understands the power of that because you, what, we don't, what we don't realize is sometimes a negative comment about someone, a negative treatment of somebody could cause turmoil in people's life for decades. Decades. I've seen churches split by a negative spirit. By a negative spirit. Am I okay? We good? Mm. You see, we need to watch how we talk to each other because we've got to be 
unified in the body because it goes down to the saying that I need you, you need me, and we all need each other. I can't do this without you, but please don't try to do it without me. But together, together we can win this war. Together. Come on now. I'm teaching today. I'm forcing myself to teach. I'm not going to try to get too excited up here. Together. And it's Satan's plan to cause division among us because he understands if one could put 1,000 to flight and two could put 10,000 to flight, what could 400 people in Truth Chapel do? (laughs) What could 400 unified members of Truth Chapel do in Loganville, Georgia? I'll tell you, if we are united, there's nothing that can come against us that will destroy us if we're united. If we're united, revival is going to be like never before if we're united. If we're united, there's not enough seats in this building to sit the people. If we're united. Yeah, if we're united. Amen. Two brothers, two problems. One didn't care about the future, but one didn't even know how to treat his brother. One didn't understand unity. One was only worried about himself. Me, me, me. And so Jacob takes the advice of his mother and he deceives his father. And you know the story. Y'all have read it a million times. He steals away the blessing from his own brother. And I'm getting somewhere. There's there's something in the scripture that I really want y'all to get. And just let me get there. I believe that Jacob, after listening to his mother, started to see his brother as a threat. I'm going to let that sink in a moment. See, I believe that Jacob, after listening to the negative tongue, started to see his brother as competition. You see, we need to be careful how we view the people in our church, our brothers and our sisters. And we need to be careful that we don't look at people as a threat or competition. It is, the, it is only together that we're going to make a difference. It's only together that we're going to change this city. We don't only need a man of God leading us and directing us, and we got a great man of God, amen, leading us and directing us. But we don't only just need that, but we need a unified body around him lifting up his hands. But if we're not unified, how are we going to lift up both of his hands? Because I need you, you need me. We all need each other. And we will fail with God's plan if we cannot be unified, one body, one body. Esau finds out that his brother has deceived him, yet again, stole away his blessings. It's in Genesis 27 and uh, 33 through 38. And Esau begs Isaac. Put yourself in his position. He's like, Dad, just bless me. Is there anything anything you can bless? Bless me. And the Bible says that Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. Esau decided that day, the Bible says, I am going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill my brother. And when, when when it was told to Jacob that his brother was going to kill him, the Bible says that Jacob fled, ran out, went to another land, the land of Haran, and And he ran from his brothers. And it was there in Haran that Jacob met, look at your neighbor and say he met, his uncle Laban. 
okay? He met him. And there, Jacob grew fond of Laban's daughter, Rachel. Got his eyes on something. And Laban had two daughters. Leah was the oldest, and Rachel was the youngest. And the Bible says that Leah was not as attractive, but Rachel was very beautiful. And Jacob came up with this agreement with his uncle that he met. And he said, I'm going to work for seven years, and you're going to give me the pretty one, (laughs) Rachel. All right, we got it. Let's write it down. And they signed, yeah. So Jacob worked seven years to find out that he married the wrong woman. How did that happen? How did you not know when she was walking down the aisle? She she walks ugly, man. (laughs) She don't have that cute walk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, Lord, I'm getting, Brother Yusuf, am I okay? Oh, he said, I'm teeter-tottering, okay. (laughs) He just got elbowed by his wife. He said, you better tell that boy he better be quiet. Everybody's cute in this world. Well, the Bible said one wasn't, so I'm in the word right now. <laughs> I'm in the word, okay? I understand in 2022, and yeah. But the Bible said one was pretty and one wasn't, okay? Somehow he married the wrong woman. I don't know how he did it, but he did, and he realized that I married the wrong woman. And so the Bible says that Jacob had to come up with another agreement and uh, had to work another seven years. So quick math, 14 years for this girl. She must have been pretty. 14 years he worked for this, this woman. And he began to work, and, and the Bible says he worked out and, and, and worked for that, and he ended up uh, marrying Rachel. I don't know about you, but I would be very upset to work seven years to find out that I was tricked in marrying the wrong woman. But I, I, I'm staying here because I want you to realize that Jacob is now being deceived by his family, okay? And so Jacob went to Laban to explain, you know, hey, you deceived me, and we understand they worked up another agreement, and Jacob finally did get to marry um, the beautiful girl, the one that he wanted to marry. But Jacob stayed there for another 20 years, and he began to work for his uncle. And Laban was blessed because Jacob was blessed, right? Jacob was blessed beyond measure because of Jacob's, Jacob, you know, the promises that, that God gave Abraham. But Laban, once again, I need you to understand, was taking advantage of Jacob. The Bible says that he changed his wages 10 times. Okay? So here Jacob is. We understand the story that he didn't really hardly think twice about deceiving his brother. But when he went to another land and met his uncle, For the first time. Is it not ironic that Jacob treated a stranger better than he did his own brother? Before this encounter with this brother, I don't read anywhere where Jacob knew his uncle. I don't read it. Maybe I missed it, but I don't see it. Jacob, I don't believe, knew his uncle. But when he went there, he met his uncle, and he became became faithful to his uncle. But his uncle kept deceiving him. His uncle was not treating him right. But the Bible shows that he treated Laban better than he did his own brother. It shocks me when I see people in the church that could treat people in the world better than people in the church. 
people that you never met before, you have, there's no blood there, you don't, you don't even know, and you will treat them way better than people in the church. You see, we tend to be so forgiving to people in the world. You say, but brother, they're not saved, and we need to give them a pass. I agree with you, but what about your brothers and your sisters that are in the body? Why are we not so quick to forgive them when they've done us wrong? Why are we not so quick to forgive them and show love towards them? Why are we so easily to forgive strangers than our own brothers and our sisters in the Lord? John says this. He says in chapter 16, he said this. If you could help me out, Brother Gary. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. And then verse 35 says this. But this shall all men know. You want to know how you get known that you are God's? Is it up there? Okay. Do you know how you are known to be God's disciple? By how you love one another. You see, we're not known to be God's disciples by how much money we put in the offering plate. We're not known by God's disciples by our attendance on Sunday. You're not known by God's disciple if you're the best preacher up here, if you're the best singer. That is not how you're known to be God's disciple. You want to you be known by God's disciple? It's just right in the word. I'm just in the word. Is that okay? The word says this. If you want to be known to be God's disciple, it's how you love one another. The way you love one another. Mm. You see, this is something we got to deal with because something I got to deal with because I'm, I'm flesh just like your flesh and sometimes we get aggravated, but we have to deal with this because I fear uh, sometimes in my life, uh, you know what, I, I, I've picked on Esau a little bit and I'm like, man, I would never do that. Man, I, my future is important and I picked on him, but I failed to see the other problem that I've had in my lifetime sometimes, and that's how I've treated my own brothers and sisters. And if you don't want to make this personal to you, you just make it about me because there's been times in my life and I look back and I'm like, why? How did I treat, why did I do that? Why? And I treated, I, I treated strangers sometimes better than I did my own brother. God convicted me. John says this in 1 John 4 and 20, verse 21. It says, If a man say, I love God, but hateth his brother. See, you know what? When I'm I'm at LA Fitness on the gym and and someone calls a fire or something like that, I'm like, I didn't do that. And and you call somebody a liar, bro, it is fighting words. Like, you lying. Like, what? You know, fighting words. The Bible doesn't care. The Bible's like, bring it on. (laughs) If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he hath not seen? And this is the the commandment have we from him that he who love God also loves his brother. Are you getting the picture here? You can't love God and hate your brother. I need you to understand loving your brother and loving your God goes hand in hand. 
And if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you don't love your God. I'm in the word. Because you cannot separate them. They are hand in hand. And we tend to get focused on everything else. We think as long as our tithe and our offering is good, we're good with God. As long as we show up and volunteer our our time to the church, we're good with God. As as long as we're at our attendance, you can do that little check, we're good with God. And could it be that God is saying, listen, I'm not even worried about any of that because I'm already rich. I can give the church money with a... I don't have to have your money, and, 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 and if you don't want to volunteer, I will find people. I will find somebody. Noah, if everybody else ain't serving God, I'm going to find a Noah that will serve me. But could it be that God is saying, above all of that, that you think is important, and, and look at me, and look at what I'm doing. God's saying, I'm not worried about that if you can't love your brother. God is saying tonight, if you want to be my disciple, I'm judging you by this thing, and that is your love for one another. Even though Jacob has a wife now, and he's doing good, and he worked his 14 years for this woman, and he life seems to be doing good other than his uncle was taking advantage of him. God... I need you to listen. If if I'm boring you, just try to come in just for a little bit longer because I'm finishing up here, but I need you to hear this part. God is not going to let Jacob get away with this problem that he has. God is blessing Jacob because uh, of his father, Abraham, but God will not let him get away with the problem he has, the problem with his brother. God's not going to do it. He's going to have to deal with this problem. He has to deal with it. The thing he did to his brother was not going to go just pushed under the rug, and he was just going to go on and say, well, that was years ago. We were kids, man. Don't worry about it. It's all under the blood. No, God said, no, 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 no. I don't care if you were kids. You're going to deal with this problem that you have. In Genesis chapter 31, in verse 3, it says this, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land unto the land that the fathers and thy, thy kindred, and I will be with you. God finally stepped in and he said, Jacob, I've blessed you because of my covenant with my father, with your father. But now you're going to have to take care of this problem you have. I'm sure Jacob was hesitant to go back. How many would just want to run back home knowing his brother wanted to kill him, knowing what he did? But here's what I want you to understand. God did not give him a choice. He had one choice and God said, go back. You know why? Because God was making him deal with this problem. God was not giving him an option, but he said, you're going to have to deal with this problem. And so he goes back, and Jacob packs his stuff, and he gets his family, and he gets his messengers. And the Bible says he sends his messengers ahead and to find Esau and to let them know that he was coming. They feared that Esau would kill him. I'm sure that fear was there. But the messengers came back, and you know what they said? They said, Esau is coming with 400 men. And Jacob knew at that moment, God, you want me to deal with this problem, but what you're doing is you're saying you're going to kill me right now. And Jacob gets all emotional. And the Bible says this. I want us to read this. This is Genesis chapter 32. Jacob gets all emotional, and he's just bawling and squalling here. When I read this, this is what comes out to me. Jacob's just bawling and squalling. He's just, he is what... My brother is coming with 400 men, and he's about to kill me. And 
And, and, and he says this. He said, oh, God, my father, Abraham, oh, God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac, the Lord saith unto me, return into thy, kindred, uh, thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal with thee. And, you know, he's trying to remind God, hey, you have a, you know, you have a, a covenant with my father. You know, he's like trying to bring this up. And then he goes into verse 10. He says, but I am not worthy of that. You, to me, I just see, and he's just bawling and squalling. I'm not worthy. It's almost like he's trying to get God on his side, you know. And he's, he's just almost like begging, I'm not worthy the least of your mercies, he said, and, and all the truth what thou hast showed unto thy servants, for, for with my staff I have passed over this Jordan, and now I have become two bands. And then he goes into verse 11, and he starts to do something that all of us have done in this room when you've had a problem with one of your brothers. You ready for this? He said, deliver me, I pray, out of the hand of my brother. See, some of y'all are smiling because you've prayed that before. You've had an issue with somebody, and you just pray, God, just, deliver, just Lord, don't let them come around me, God. Keep them away from me, God. Don't even let them come. Lord, just deliver me out of this. But you know what? This is one prayer God will never answer. That's why when you pray, God, please don't let them come around, somehow you walk through the same door at the same time. Y'all know it's the truth. Y'all were like Jacob. Lord, deliver me from my brother. God will not deliver you from your brother when you have a problem with your brother. You are going to have to deal with this, Jacob. We can't just push this under the rug, but this has to be dealt with. And we do it so many times. We start praying, God, just deliver me. But God is not going to do that. You're going to have to deal with the problem that you have with your brothers and your sisters. And here's the thing, God's not giving you a choice. But you got to do it. Jacob realizing that this is not going to be a quick prayer and answer. Have you ever done that? You needed a quick prayer and so you get down, you ball and squall and you, Lord, you're amazing, you're just a God. You're, you know, and you want a quick answer quick and you're trying to get to the point and you're like, but how can I ask for something, you know, unless I tell him how great he is, you know. Y'all are laughing because you've done it. You, you, but you want a quick answer, right? You're like, oh God, I need you right now, you know. And this is not going to be a prayer, Jacob, that you're just going to get down and God's just going to deliver you from your brother. It's not going to happen. And Jacob realizes this. And so Jacob sent his family away. You know the story. Jacob stayed all night by himself. Jacob sent his family away. And there he was. And the Bible says, what did he do? Come on, where's my Bible scholars? He wrestled with an angel. I need y'all to hear this. I'm about to get somewhere. He wrestled with an angel. Jacob's, Jacob, the, the, the Bible says the angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, no, not until you bless me. And the angel says, let me go. And Jacob says, no, not until you bless me. You don't know what I'm going through. And so the angel, the Bible says the angel blesses him. And also the Bible says that, that the angel changed his name. And man, the preacher in me wants to just get loud and get into this. But I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm teaching something, y'all. I'm getting somewhere. But something happened that night when Jacob had that encounter. Something totally changed Jacob. I know you've heard this preached a million times, but you just listen to this. Genesis chapter 32 and 30. I, I, I need this up on the screen. Genesis 32 and 30. And the Bible says, and Jacob asked him in the name of the place. And 
He said, for, he said, man, this is amazing to me. He said, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Jacob said, I've seen God face to face. Now, am I in the word that the Bible says no man hath seen? But I'm also in the word saying, Jacob saying, I've seen God face to face. He wrestled with the angel, and then he said, I've seen God face to face. I want to remind you that God did not and was not going to deliver Jacob from his brother, although Jacob may have thought that. But God did not do that. You know what God did? God gave him a new outlook. Sometimes prayer don't change the situation, but rather changes the prayer. Sometimes you're praying God changes the situation, but God can't change the situation because he needs you to deal with the problem. So in return, God's got to change the prayer. That's good stuff right there. That's why it's good to pray blessings on people that you have strife with because it's hard to pray blessings on somebody and not love them. And the Bible says that when Jacob lifted up his eyes, behold, Esau has come with his 400 men. But instead of killing him, the Bible says Esau embraced him. Esau hugged him. And Jacob, getting a new outlook, okay, a new mind, he was changed. Jacob, being a changed man, tries to give Esau some stuff. You know, he, he's feeling the guilt of everything he did. And Esau says, no, brother, I don't, I don't need anything. Don't give, don't give me anything. And I want you to listen how Jacob responds. First, Brother Gary, help me out. Genesis 32 and 30, I want to remind you of this. Jacob said this. He said, I have seen God face to face. It's up there. Everybody will say, I've seen God face to face. But now I want us to switch over to Genesis 33.10. After he had the encounter with God, he said, I've seen God face to face. But after he met his brother and God gave him a new outlook, this is what he says in Genesis 33.10. And Jacob said, nay, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight and have received, then, then receive my present at my hand. He said this, for therefore I have seen <laughs> thy face as though I've seen the face of God. This is powerful right here. If you're getting this, I hope you're understanding this. Jacob said, wait a second. When, when Jacob got up to Esau, he said, wait a second. Your face looks a little bit familiar. I was wrestling with God and your fa- I, I thought I saw God's face, but... I saw your face because when I had an encounter with God, my mind changed and my spirit changed. And I started to see my brother like I see my God. Mm. He said, Jacob, I've seen thy face as though I've seen the face of God. 
After that encounter with the angel Jacob, when Jacob finally got a hold of God, he no longer saw his brother as a threat. He no longer saw his brother as competition, but he saw his brother through the eyes of the Lord. I believe that's what we got to do. We got to understand that we got to view our brothers and our sisters through the eyes of the Lord. Mm. He started to see his brother. You ready for this? He started to see his brother the same way that he saw his God. Because you can't separate the love of God and the love of your brother. The Bible done told us they are hand in hand. And so when you get right with God, the view of your brother starts to change. I believe Jacob said, wait a minute. The last time I saw you, I hated you. The last time I saw you, I didn't think twice about deceiving you. The last time I saw you, I was willing to steal from you. But now Esau, for some reason, when I look at you, I see God. Somehow I thought I saw God, but really God was showing me you. Because I've seen your face as though I've seen the face of God. I believe God will take us into new dimensions in this church when we start to see our brothers and our sisters in the right way. Not as competition. Not as a threat. Not my ministry is better than your ministry and none of that stuff. No, no. But when you say, I need you, you need me, and we all need each other. Amen. Sister Chavis, could you please come to the piano? Matthew 25 and 40 says this, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren. He said, you've done it unto me. The least of them. I'm... The least of them. I can't answer this for you, but who is the least of them in your mind? I want you to get away of the idea that we're talking about the least of them. That must be the homeless people that are on the streets. The least. No, 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 no. Let's get out of that. I'm not talking about that. The least of them. The person that you look as as a threat. The person that you really can't even have a conversation with. You're so aggravated with them. Or you ready for this? The least of them, the person that hurt you, said things about you that was not true. The, the least of them. You see, when I read this scripture, God showed me real quick, I had the least of them in my mind. And I began to think, I had a list of them. And I said, oh yeah, God, you know what they did and you know what they said and you know the hurt they gave me. See, some of you in this room understand what I'm talking about. Because you felt the hurt, the pain from brothers in the church. And see, when I said it's crazy how we treat strangers better than the brothers in the church, some of you route up inside. You want to come up and punch me in the face. You say, yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've said about me. You don't understand. You're right, I don't. But God said this, verily I say unto thee, what you've done unto the least of these my brethren he said you've done it unto me because the way you see your brother is the way you see your God 
You can't look at your brother with hatred and look at your God with love. You can't do it. And you're wondering why there's a wall every time you come up to this altar. Why is there a wall? Ain't there a scripture in the Bible that talks about don't come up here and get all of this when you have a problem with somebody? Go fix the problem because there's always going to be a wall there. I'm not receiving what God needs. Fix the problem and then come up. And God's got blessings for you. And God's got a calling for you. And God's got an anointing for you. But you got to fix that before you can get this. Brother George, Brother Tommy, come up here really quick. I'm going to use you really quick. I'm going to end with this. It's only 8.11. We've only been here for an hour and 11 minutes. Stand right here and someone stand right here, please. There's a tree called the redwood. It's one of the largest trees. It reaches 350 feet high. It's a huge tree. It's so tall that it's hard to capture it on a photo. You should go look it up online and you'll see cars. They actually have where they uh, uh, carved out the middle and cars can go through the middle. These are huge trees. You can hardly even see the top. You see, my dad is in construction and he told me, he said, John, he said, when we build these big buildings, these large skyscrapers, he said, you can't just start on a concrete slab. He said, but for what you go up, you got to go down. You got to go down in the ground. He said, and that's what keeps that building from falling over. But these trees are 350 feet high. So how deep does these roots got to go in the ground to stop these trees from? How about six feet? And some of you are saying, how can a tree that is 350 feet high only go six feet down into the ground? You know what they do? Oh, this is powerful. They grab on to the other redwood trees that are around them. They don't have to go that deep when they're together. <laughs> and so when the wind comes and the storms come, they're not going to fall. Why? Because they grab a hold of each other. And when things become unsteady, they're not going to fall because they got each other holding each other up. I'm here to tell you, if we're going to survive the enemy's battles and wars that are coming against us, it's only going to be if we grab our brother and grab our sisters and say, we are one. We are unified. Come on, would somebody in this place just lift your hands and begin to talk to him?
God, I pray that you would let us see our brothers through your eyes. Let us see our sisters through your eyes, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, if there's somebody in this room or someone that is watching online that's gone odd with somebody, I pray, God, that they would fix it, God, because they can't love you and hate them. But together, come on, I want somebody, just grab somebody beside you. I want you to grab somebody and get them arm in arm right now. Just rock back and forth. Together. Together. Together, we're going to win the world. Together, God's going to call us and anoint us and use us. Together, our ministries are going to combine together and help the body of Christ together. Come on, let's just take a couple moments. raise our hands in this house and God I thank you Lord for the presence that swept into this room God and 
I already feel a unity that has swept in here, God. God, we surrender to you right now, God. We surrender to your will. We surrender to your ways, God. God, forgive me, God, if I've gone off track. Forgive me, God. But Lord, I surrender right now. I surrender right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It just feels so good. It's amazing how the burden can be lifted when you realize, when you go with God's plan. Jacob left there thinking his brother was going to kill him, and little did he know his brother was going to embrace him. Maybe when you draw up in your mind what's going to happen, maybe that's not actually how it's going to happen. That's just you sitting in the house too long, dreaming up things that don't need to be dreamed up. (laughs) We're all guilty of that. But when you say, God, have your way. God, I'm going to do it your way. God's way is always the right way. I didn't say the easy way, but it's the right way. And when you do that, God will bless you. And God will use you more than you ever thought. Amen. Raise your hands. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.